Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA on Spike. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of MMA FanCast. We are so glad to have you with us here again this week. We've got a ton of MMA to talk about today. Uh, There's a couple events this past weekend. We're going to dig into that. We're going to look ahead to what's what's coming up and we're going to talk about conor mcgregor we haven't had a chance to talk about him from an mma standpoint in quite some time we're going to talk about you know where where is this going to go where's this thing headed is he is he is he heading into uh uh defending his belt like what's going to happen there we will discuss that at length as well as we didn't hit on this last week at all but ronda rousey um, it's kind of being, it appears like she's being thrown under the bus by her coach to put her in there against Cyborg Santos. That's what he says he wants to do. I think that's uh, a last payday for him, but we'll dig into that. We're going to dig into looking ahead at UFC 216, and we'll do all that in the next hour. So I am joined by my good friends, Jim Sahara Mooney and Andrew Dice Bailey. Let's dig into this stuff, guys. Did uh, We had a, a, a couple good cards this past weekend, one in UFC, one in Bellator. Uh, did you guys get a chance to uh, watch both of them? I got to watch the UFC Fight Night 117 after the fact. I did not watch it live. And I have, I have not seen any of Bellator 183 yet. I thought you watched um... – I thought you – I was under the impression that you did watch one of the Bellator fights, no? No, I didn't see any of the Bellator. No, I saw the, the entire main card of fight night, though. Gotcha. Jim, yeah, Sahara, I, I know – I know Sahara watched fight night. I did indeed. Um, at different times during the evening, there were noises you don't normally hear. During uh, a UFC event, um, but uh, overall the experience was was worth it. That was Sahara's wonderful personality coming out. Um, you, you guys really get a treat with him week in and week out to hear this. Wonderful what were those stuff. noises, though, Ryan? We had UFC Fight fan. Night One Seventeen. In Japan, the UFC's return to Japan. What was the last Japan card uh, UFC had? Uh, uh, that's a that's a Johnny Stats question. Long time, long time. It's I don't know that they've been there in the zoo. I'm sorry, era. wrong time. It's been wrong time. There's that like flourishing. It's amazing that you don't have like. Lots of friends. I don't know how that's possible. Uh, UFC Fight Night Barnett Nelson, September 27th, 2015, was in Japan. W- w- when was it again? Say it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. September 27th, 2015, headlined by Josh Barnett and Roy Nelson. Ah, okay, yeah. Well, um, yeah, so it, it, I like – so I'm a big fan of the – 
Japanese MMA scene. I'm a big fan of the, the differences with the showmanship and the, you know, the, that kind of thing. I don't think the UFC does it justice with, um, you know, they don't do anything special when they're there. I would love to see some of that stuff that the Japanese love so much, uh, be implemented when they have a, a card in Japan. Um, but we had uh, OSP, Ovin St. Pru, who, who was scheduled to have a big fight. And uh, why am I um, – who, who was he scheduled for? Shogun. Shogun, yeah, Shogun. Who, who was really looking forward to uh, fighting in Japan again. Um, that was scrapped. And on short notice, Yushin Okami, who hasn't been in the UFC for quite some time, he took that fight and – did not make the best of that opportunity. He didn't make the best of it. I mean, he was fighting an uphill battle from the get-go. He'd been out of the UFC for several years, I believe four. And he's, in a, he's a middleweight. And a weight class, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A, Didn't he move up two weight classes for this one? I think – no, just one. Well, I think, it was, I think it was just one, unless they – I don't think they agree on the catch weight. Middleweight yeah. to light heavyweight, right? Yeah. It's just one, but, I mean – OSP's a big light heavyweight, and yeah, it was, Okami was mismatched from the get-go. I appreciate him stepping in and saving the card, but I think all of us kind of knew he was overwhelmed stepping into this fight. Yeah, definitely not. Um, I mean, this is the kind of thing that his next fight, I mean, he has to get a next fight one. You don't take this fight without being promised a second fight. But now, I mean, that's the fight that really matters for his UFC future is this next fight back down at middleweight. And he's got to make the, make the best of that opportunity. Hey, I don't know if you guys remember this, but you should know Kami was a mainstay in the top six or seven yep. in the UFC for a long time. And he's not, I don't think he's, I don't have his age right in front of me, but, I don't think he's like old, old. I mean, he's, he 30, might, he's 36. Yeah. He's, I was going to say he's mid, I would think he's mid 30s, and that was about right. Um, so I think he's got one chance to make a, a last push. He could probably, if he fights well in the next fight, he could get a top 10 opponent after that. And then, I mean, three, three or four fights, I think he could, he could claw his way back in the top five. That's really what he's looking for one last run. Yeah, that's what he's looking for. I don't think he's going to get it. I think for him, he's he's past his prime. He he hasn't fought. He even struggled in World Series of Fighting. He dropped two fights there. And you know, it was good to see him again. And I'm sure if he has a smart enough manager, he'll have another fight in the UFC. But this fight has just struck me as one where neither fighter has too much to gain. I mean, OSB is supposed to squash him, and Okami's supposed to get squashed. Pretty much. That's a yeah, I think his last fight um, at uh, middleweight was uh, was Jacare. Yeah, Jacare in 2013 September. So he, I, I think if you know if he can, if his body will handle it, it's where he needs to go. I, I think he's going to be outmatched in uh, in this division. Very well, could be. I, I mean, uh, yeah, typically fighters who have been who have peaked and haven't and are now 36 aren't going to come back and, and do anything. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on OSP now? Like wh where do they go with him? 
he's still looking for the Shogun fight, and I think in that area uh, of the rankings is accurate. I don't think you can take too much from this fight. This was Akami's light heavyweight debut. The man has fought at welterweight before in World Series of Fighting. It's just- I mean, essentially, this was a, you know, okay, back to the drawing board with, with, with OSP. It's, it meant nothing. Exactly. It, this, it, it this- saved a card, essentially, from, from not having a main event anymore. Yes, it saved the card and he got a paycheck. And that's basically all it did. Yeah. There was no no rankings effect. There's no, you know, hey, I really saw something uh unique out of him. For anyone else in the UFC, we we that did what he did, that would be something unique, but he does that all the time. The Von Flu choke. Oh, mm-hmm. it's so beautiful. The Von Prue choke. Von Prue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then in the co-main event, Claudia Gadea. Is that my saying her name right? We'll go with that. Close enough. Yeah. No, is it is it wrong? I think it's Gadea. We're just Gidalia. calling her CG on the show. Um, Jessica, Jessica Andrade just took withstood the first three and a half minutes, and then systematically dismantled Claudia. It wasn't even close. She was severely outstruck by um, by her opponent. And I think it was like two to one or maybe even three to one with uh, with significant strikes. Um, it just – it was not fr- – like from the uh, – I'd say the second half of round one, um, she just took a beating. I – I my my memory tells me it was like a ninety seconds left, a minute and a half left is what my memory's telling me that uh, when Jessica Andrade just kind of took the fight over. Mm-hmm. Gadelia's gas tank went fast. I mean, in the second round, she just looked gone. Even when she fought um, Joanna, a couple, I'm not going to try to pronounce her last name. <laughs> Whenever she fought Joanna twice, her gas tank held for two rounds. But I mean, this was. This was sad. How- yeah, she she didn't look. Uh, it's it's as if she she came out like on fire, and it's as if she planned on ending the fight there and didn't really have another plan. I agree. I think she saw what Yoana did to her. And it's like, oh, you know, I can just I can easily finish her. I can put her out. Then she guessed wrong because Jessica Andrade can do one thing extremely well, and that's take a punch. See, I don't think fighters really think like that, though, do they? I mean, do you go into a fight saying, "Oh, I'm going to end this in the first round"? Like, that, after what she did, thinking like that, you would assume so. But after what she did to Carolina Cowell, uh, Ko- Kovalevich. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to refer to every woman in this division by her first name. Um, <laughs> Carolina, she just demolished her in round one, and I, I just, I'm just curious to know if she thought the same thing. I, I was blown away at how underwhelming Claudio look and you know what that's that's a good way to put it um like she had no spunk or gusto for this fight and um, I it's it's like she was already looking um towards what she had uh put out on uh social media that she was taking some time off for her family and she just Really, what just wanted to get through the night? She like started her time off at, at like the ninety-second mark left in the first round, instead of waiting till the entire fight was over to take off. Unofficially, 
Yeah, and I feel like when fighters announce that before a fight is when you really got to que- like question their focus. Yeah, I mean, like, well, uh, that brings into question someone else that isn't on our uh, docket, but Matt Brown has stated that his last fight is going to be against um, uh, Diego Sanchez, uh, which is coming up on, what is it, 216? Yeah, it's the next one. So is it on the 216 card? No, I don't think it is. Anyway, um, that's his last fight, and he's retiring. But he's also said, now, I'm not closing the door on a comeback. Like, what? Do you not know what retiring is? Like, no, you don't retire then. You say, I'm going to take time off after this fight. Yeah, this, this fight's taking place at UFC Norfolk on November 11th. And, yeah, I agree with you. I'm in complete agreement. It doesn't make any sense. It's almost like the retirement decision was just a public – a publicity stunt and I don't know if someone's in his ear about future possibilities. He's like, Oh man, might come back for that one. So there's no point in even saying it's a retirement fight anymore. Lost all intrinsic value from that. Yeah. There. Oh, I wanted to mention this to you guys. You guys will find this interesting. Um, I'm hearing from some, uh, some sources that there could be a regional MMA card by the end of this year, by the end of 2017, right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. What do you think about that? I have heard that rumor as well. Yeah, it's beginning to circulate. It's even reached me down here in the tri-state. That's, that's good news. Yeah, so, so we are um, waiting to see if we hear anything further. Uh, but from, from all indications are that, you know, a card is being uh, – is being worked on and set up and we'll, we'll see if that's true or not. I I'm just uh, letting you know what, what I'm hearing through the grapevine. Anyway, moving on. Um, any other fight night, one seventeen things you guys wanted to talk about before we, uh, the Saki bomb. Saki. The Saki bomb. Is it go, go guy? I'm just going to call him Saki. Go yeah. making his UFC debut. And cardio is a big factor for him. Couldn't make it around, even address that in the post-fight. But just taking some shots, eating head kicks, eating elbows. Looks like he's about to get finished. One left hook later, and the fight's over. That was it. Was one of the crazier finishes we've seen this year. Yeah, it looked like he was about to gas right there, standing up against the cage, and it was uh, like that puncher's chance that he threw out there, and that was all it took. It was a bomb. Uh-huh. Saki bomb. Yeah, that was um, certainly something worth, uh, you know, these are the kind of cards, let's just be honest, these are the kind of cards that you don't necessarily, uh, you know, make your schedule around, but you DVR them and you hear what happens and, and then you, like, find it on your DVR and you, and you fast-forward through it. In many instances, um, or in Jim Sahara Mooney, in my case, you build your night around it and watch it and get some work done. <laughs> I, 
um, which is what we did. I mean, ultimately, um, we we hung out, watched the fight, got some got some website stuff to, taken care of. Indeed, we did. And uh, and then you have Bellator one eighty three, which uh, was an actual actually pretty good card. It, as you start to get more involved with Bellator and what they're doing there. And um, they put on some interesting cards, some interesting fights. They have a lot of prospects that are up and coming. And I, I, I get excited for Bellator. Not every yeah, card, but I get excited for, like, this card I got excited for. Well, we got um, some local connections, uh, some local fighters here in Pittsburgh that – are going to be featured, not featured, but are going to be fighting on Bellator. So it's drawing, turning our heads towards that a little more, um, you know, but uh, our experience at um, Bellator NYC, um, that was a pretty good card. But, you know, what we saw Saturday night was, the, I, I don't think there was a letdown. Although I, uh, the Paul Daly and Lorenz Larkin fight, I thought that would have uh, – I was, I was surprised it ended the way that it did. Um, I just thought well, – Why would you call it a letdown? Well – It was a highlight reel knockout. Um, I mean on Larkin's side. Well, he and- doesn't want to be um, part of that highlight reel. And he hasn't done so well since going over to Bellator. Well, but, he's now 0-2 with the loss yeah. to Lima and now the loss to Paul Daly. Now, so yeah, let's let's talk about Larkin. One, here's my first question. One, where does Bellator go from here with Larkin? And then two, is there a fighter who is less consistent than Lorenz Larkin? CM Punk. No, he's consistent. <laughs> he's clearly consistent. Uh, he he clearly shocks the world with how consistent he is. <laughs> um, I don't know. I was, but I, that was the fight that that disappointed me. I expected more out of him. I expected some, you know, for him to. I I don't know. I I don't even know what to say. It was just it was a letdown for him to lose that way. Not necessarily to lose, but it just it was not. A good evening for him. So in, in Lorenzo's last several fights, it, kind of, it breaks down like this. Lose three, win two, lose one, win two, lose two. That's, it's very inconsistent, but it sort of reminds me of uh, Jeremy Stevens, who would win two, lose three, win three, lose two, win, lose, win, lose two, win. You you just confused my entire life. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Moral of the story is Jeremy Stevens and Lorenz Larkin are both very inconsistent fighters, but very exciting. Yeah. It puts him in like a, a middle-of-the-road fighter who at times can, uh, can show flashes of brilliance, like he can move up and, um, and do some damage in his um, weight class. But then he's got those fights like – the last two that we've seen, this knockout and then the uh, decision loss to Lima, um, where he just he lacks any sparkle at all. You know, so what do you do with that? It's similar to what we saw at UFC Pittsburgh with um, Uriah Hall. 
the guy's got tremendous talent. We want to see that every night. Lorenz Larkin, he's got those flashes, but um, there's no consistency with it. Yeah. Interesting. I never forget, though, I always like Lorenz. He had the knockout – not knockout. He beat Robbie Lawler, though, back in strike force at middleweight. So it would be well, interesting if he ever moved up again. Well, and, and that's the interesting thing in the – I think he's capable of beating a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. And I also think he's just as capable of losing to a lot of guys. And that's the inconsistency – He'll beat a world beater and then he'll lose to a guy you've never heard of before or after that fight. Yeah, so he's got a TKO victory against Magny, um, split win against Masvidal. Um, you know, so those are two guys, especially Masvidal. Um, that's, you know, a nice little notch in his belt right there. Very nice. Yeah. And then he, and then he turns around and does this two fight. Losing streak. Listen, I think he is the most talented fighter in the division in Bellator. And I thought he was going to come in and beat Lima. And he should have. And he didn't. Then I thought he was going to beat Daly. And he came in and he didn't. And it's bizarre that, you know, how's Daly going to beat somebody? (laughs) Seriously, KOing them. That's how he's going to beat you. And. To yep. go in and to try to like to want to stand with him and just throw punches with him, just if there's only one way he's going to beat you, I know you're good on the feet too, but why not n- negate that risk? Yeah. I don't know. Do it, Roy McDonald did, and choke him out. Yeah, that's good advice. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Yeah, don't stand on the feet, just choke <laughs> him out. Come on, this is easy. Um, we had Benson Henderson losing a split decision um, in the main event. And what did you did you did you agree with that decision? Jim? Me or yeah, yeah I did. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agreed with it too. Yeah, he, uh, he's another one that has disappointed me in the past uh, past few fights. I, just, I didn't see any. Uh, and it spark a lot of him that that I'm used to seeing. Yeah, I I think he's a fighter that kind of peaked early and things have caught up to him. And I, I just don't see him as the same guy I did, you know, five years ago in the UFC. Right. Which is probably why the UFC decided to, you know, let him go, that they felt that he didn't have the same thing to offer that he once did. Peaked early is the best way to put it because he's only 33. I mean, yeah, that's not, what I mean. Yeah. He should be. I mean, most fighters, you know, this is 33 is like they're going to be at their peak then because yep. they have the best balance of still having some youth and having a lot of experience and all that stuff. And I just feel like he peaked earlier and he's on the downside. I mean, this is a guy that at one point he was 21 and three in the UFC. Since then, he's gone one, two, three, four, five, three and five. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, losing five fights when, I mean, it's not like he hasn't been, he's been fighting at the top of this game for a long time. Yeah, he put together a win streak from 2011 
2013. Here's the here's the murderers row he went through. Jim Miller, Clay Guida, Frankie Edgar consecutively, Nate Diaz, Gilbert Melendez. Yeah, that's a murderer's row. Oh, man. So, yeah, I, I it's just, you know, disappointing that he uh, he has peaked so early and now he's, you know, on a two-fight skid against Chandler and Patricky Pitbull. And – just what do you do now? What do you do with them? I, he's the kind of guy that, I mean, Bellator's in a position where you got to kind of keep him around. Well, yeah, I think he's, he's still a name that's going to draw some people. Um, I, I think what he'll do is maybe bring in more of the casual fan because, you know, anybody that's uh, followed his career, you will, you know, see that – it appears like he's on the backside um, and there's not going to be much interest there, but I think Bellator is just going to try and capitalize on his name at this point and maybe hopefully find matchups that, um, you know, that he can pull through uh, and then, you know, start moving up on a card. Um, I, I don't think at this point he can be the main or a co-main. Yeah. And the uh, debut, the heavyweight debut, was also on this card of Roy Nelson. He he faced Javi Ayala, and that was a uh, an interesting first round. And then from there, it was kind of a lot less interesting. It ended up um, being one fat guy on top of another towards the end. It sounds like Roy Nelson and Derek Lewis. Yeah, you um, there uh, was name though. That's the thing. Yeah. It. Fair this fair. reminded me of um the fights years ago where it was like you would go to a convention center and it was um, tough man competition. That's what this looked like between the two. And you know, I'm not, you know, trying to uh, talk or, or put uh big country in a negative light, but it just seemed like a bomb fest and both guys were trying to, you know, take the other one out with one punch. And yeah, then, it, yeah, it totally did give you the feeling of like a bar fight, two guys that, that weren't physical specimens weren't highly trained, even though, you know, that's not the case because, but particularly Roy Nelson, I don't know about um, the other gentleman, but, uh, and what his background is in, but this did give the appearance of like two guys just going out there in a tough man competition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Javier, uh, I don't know much about him, but yeah, but okay. I always like watching big country fight. He was cordial <laughs> enough um, to give us an interview at uh, um, Bellator NYC, so we're thankful he's, for that. He's good in our book. Yeah, how old is he? He's getting up there. I think he's 41, guys. I think you're right. I think he's – Yeah, he's 41. Yeah. He's 41 in June. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess if you're going to be an old fighter, right, you know, what What do you lose when you're this big Burger King guy? I mean, you're, 
those guys typically don't lose power right away. They lose a lot of speed and you know what I mean? So he never really had that speed. He wasn't relying on speed to win fights. He still knows a lot of jujitsu and is a, is a very good heavyweight on the ground. I, I think he has a chance to fight a couple more years, especially moving over to Bellator with there's right. no champion. Yeah, the uh, the heavyweight division over there is um, is wide open for a number of reasons, uh, mainly because there's no they have no belt, which I still think is odd. No belt for the heavyweights. Well, there is no current champion. But I think they have something. I think they're going to have a tournament, like a tournament at some point. But Like a Grand Prix or something? Yeah, something like that. I think they're trying to put it together. They're trying to get the right people signed to do it. Yep. I mean, if you put Mitrione and Fedor and Roy Nelson, uh, I don't know. I mean, they're all ex-UFC guys, but, I mean, that's – that's how you expose more talent. Speaking of more talent, King Mo, he's not fighting at heavyweight ever again. He 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 does not belong there. He belongs at two hundred five. He's a he's a small two hundred fiver. He only fought at heavyweight because Rampage was wouldn't stop eating. <laughs> what? Well, there's another name for heavyweight. Well, yeah, Rampage. There's there's four right there. Mm-hmm. They're all ex. See, I I would like to see like a, a an eight man tournament where you have like four ex UFC guys and four new talent, young talent, and let those guys get some experience and be featured and built up and potentially have some big upsets against the ex you know UFC champion or almost champion or contender you know i don't know i think that'd be smart um aaron pico let's talk about him aaron pico for those of you that don't know is a long time um very accomplished wrestler he's also a very accomplished boxer a very very big prospect for bellator and um, he made his uh, debut back at Bellator 180, which was NYC, that same card, um, and lost his MMA debut quickly via uh, a 24 game. seconds. Yeah. And so this was his chance to kind of redeem that loss, and he was able to do that. However, he showed some holes in his game, but he also showed why he is, you know, he showed some signs of – why he is so um, such a good prospect. I think he could be uh, – he just turned 21 years old. I think he could be – if done well, he could be a, a, a big name. But they got to do it. They got to do it right. They can't throw him to the wolves. Well, I think the smart uh, move for him was going to 145. Um, he said himself that that's uh, his natural weight. Um. So, you know, with that going to 145, he's going he's gonna to bring some serious power into that division, and that's what he put on for display Saturday night. It was a, it was a crushing left hook that, uh, that took out Justin Lin. Um, so does, does Aaron Pico have a chance to be um, 
the uh, uh, a top of the division guy in all of MMA? Uh, it's going to take a few years. I, th- I say give him three to five years, and maybe he can get there. Even though he won in convincing fashion, that was a highlight real knockout. He's, he's still his, – uh, his ground and pound was not that good. He didn't take advantage of when he had top position. Um, I didn't think he, he took commanding um, position when he was given that by Justin Lin. And on the feet, you know, he, he definitely showed his boxing skills. Um, he talked about that after the fight, but he's not very um, defensive. No, nah, it's yeah. He's for for as much as Bellator is getting behind this guy and touting him as the next great one. He's he's raw. I'll say that he's raw. He's got there's some skills there, but but he's, he's also twenty one years old. When's the last time you saw yeah. a twenty one year old that you saw go in there and and look like you know a, a seasoned veteran? James Gallagher. I was just going to say. division. Uh-huh. Well, maybe they, those two need to go at it then. Not yet. You got to protect them. You got to protect both prospects. See, I, I think you protect you, you protect uh, James Galla, Gallagher. How, do they, how does he pronounce that? Gallagher. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think we say either Gallagher or Gallagher, but he would say Gallagher. Yeah, that's, that's – it's weird. It's not yeah. normal. Let's call him James. Yeah. So KG. with him and AJ McKee, and now, I mean, they got some 145ers there that are going to make that division interesting. They're all young and super talented. It's going to be tough for them to, uh, to spread that out so that they don't start. I, I, I don't know. I, I think um, the matchups, you know, could uh, position – fighters for you know maybe trilogy fights um spanning over you know a couple fighters you know over the next um three to four years but it, it's definitely a young division well you know? i think if they can keep their eyes open for the top 45ers coming up like and they can snag them before the ufc gets to them they that division could be a very interesting division Yes, they just have to keep them there too. Yeah, and then you got Dominic Mazzotta at one thirty-five. Go Dom Pittsburgh, Ginzer Scrap Pack. <laughs> Hashtag Ginzer Scrap Pack. Hey, right. what was that? Hey, yeah, how did you do that? Yeah, you saw something like hashtag. I don't know what that was. You're a dork, dude. What, let me ask you this, Jim. Um, what's that thing? Connecting your two headphone sides. What is that? Intelligence. No, I was talking. Leave Andrew out of this. I was talking about you. Anyway, um, moving on. I, I, we we hinted at this. Let's. We got to talk some Conor McGregor. This is an MMA podcast, and we haven't talked Conor McGregor MMA in like a long, long time. I think like two weeks. No, <laughs> we have we have not talked Conor McGregor MMA. We talked Conor McGregor boxing, Conor McGregor. Like we haven't really dove into Conor McGregor 
Yeah, I missed the podcast um, that immediately followed uh, the May Mac fight. I never even got to publicly comment on that. I think that might have been the last time that uh, that there was any McGregor talk on uh, MMA Fancast. Well, and here's the thing. I didn't want to bring it up. But since we're talking about it, Mayweather McGregor, we all took predictions for that boxing match, did we not? Mm-hmm. Andrew, are you trying to hide from us? Like yeah. you are nowhere to be seen. <laughs> I, you are, I, like I'm writing buried behind uh, your microphone, and I like you can't even see you at all. I'm taking notes over here, guys. I'm studious. Okay. Uh, You're studious. Yeah, okay. Um, So, you guys both made a prediction on the McGregor-Mayweather boxing match. I got no problems with the prediction that I made. What? It was completely inaccurate? Uh, it was just, it was just my opinion of how I felt. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go back on that. You know, if I had to analyze the fight again, um, you know, I think uh, if there were to be, if there were to be a rematch, if there were to be a rematch, I, I think it would be a different approach by both fighters. We'll never see it again, but, um, I, I still stand by how I felt. Um, I I think Connor had an opportunity um, to win the fight. He he did what we thought. Um, he never had an opportunity to win the fight. Sure he did. Sure he did. You you can't take anything away point, from him. What he did. What, what point in the fight were you saying? Okay, he's gonna he he has a chance to win this now. He took the first three rounds. Well, I mean, I agree. He took the first three rounds, but I also think. McGregor was our Mayweather wasn't really he was kind of waiting it out. I disagree. The body shot in the eighth round when Floyd was noticeably hurt had me a little had me a little like, oh whoa, there was something there. And even George Foreman came out and spoke on it. It was like it just seemed like a complete protection job after that shot. But I mean, that shot I I haven't seen Floyd hurt by many body shots, and that was one of them that did. Yeah, a couple odd things but we that knew I saw. He was gassed. Oh yeah, yeah, and that was something that uh, that most people talked about is that there's going to be the fatigue factor if it goes past the 25 minutes. A lot of people were saying it was going to be a Mayweather knockout. Um, Connor was saying inside of four rounds, um, and so-called experts were saying it was going to be Mayweather inside of four rounds, and that he was just going to toy with them. Um, I. You know, I thought, too, that uh, fatigue was going to be a factor. I'm not taking anything away from Mayweather. And he fought, you know, hindsight, you know, you can see that he he waited until he had his opportunity. However, you can't discount what McGregor did. It's, I, I it's don't not think anyone's like, discounting it. It's just, you know, a tall task to have an, an MMA fighter try to box – someone who's the greatest of all time absolutely agreed 
I wouldn't call him the greatest of all time, but well, I mean, at that weight, at that weight class, and I mean, he's one of the greatest. He's fifty and zero. I mean, he, if he's not the greatest of all time, he's arguably the greatest of all time. So one of the things that um, that I did uh, come away with was uh, was a, an appreciation for Mayweather and, and what he's done over his career, and you know, how he handles himself after the fight, just like McGregor does, you know, once the fight is over, you know, it's done. Well, I mean, he's got respect for his opponent. If you were in opponent. a fight and you were going to get $400 million and it was over, you'd be like, yeah, I got $400 million okay. now. Well, I mean, I you're talking about taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Paying the tax, man. But I just mean that he was, um, he was passing on compliments to, to McGregor and acknowledged the things that he did in the fight. Um, McGregor did the same thing. He had nothing but praise uh, for, for Mayweather and that, you know, he had a, a plan and he stuck to it. And that's ultimately what was the difference maker, you know, when it came time to, you know, call the fight. Mayweather's plan far you know was far and away better than anything that mcgregor was going to do that night okay so let's forget about the past let's talk about the future what is next for conor mcgregor what do you guys think is going to actually happen we know there's rumors of diaz trilogy there's rumors that he doesn't fight again he boxes now like what do you think it will actually happen let's Make our predictions. What is next for Conor McGregor? Nate Diaz trilogy. There's no question about it. I have no hesitation. I have no hesitation. I just don't see it's the money fight to make. You're going to make a truckload of money off of this fight. Dana White came out today and spoke against it happening in December. And when Dana White usually comes out and says stuff like that, I tend to think I think it's going to happen. So whether it happens that date or later, I think the Nate Diaz trilogy fight for the lightweight championship is next. Okay. I agree. You think the same thing, huh? I I agree. When, as soon as I I heard the rumors of a trilogy fight and then when I saw um, Dana White make an official statement or a comment when asked about it and he poo-pooed it and you know said it's not going to happen. That right there told me it's going to happen. You All know, right. How many so, times has has have we heard him say things? And you know, so you're not going to be females fighting in the UFC. Say again. The, wait, wait, wait. There's a difference between him saying there's not going to be females fighting in the UFC and this. He truly he said May Mac would never happen. He truly believed that when he said it, though. You're you're saying that he's lying now. That's a different. Um, I'm not going to say he's lying because, you know, maybe at that time when he made that comment about uh, the trilogy not happening, at least, you know, this year. He said not not true. Um, this is just in capital letters. He said just not true. Just a prom promoter being a promoter. Yeah. I just don't see what he would have to gain by commenting on Twitter at all. Because it's, it's Dana White. Well, so here's you know, <laughs> I'm going with argument itself. It's Dana White. Yeah, with uh, with what Andrew said, 
this would be the money fight for uh, for the UFC. Who else? You know, if you put them up against the Eagle, Here, here's um, the only thing that makes sense is is the Russia fight with Nurmagomedov. But Nurmagomedov can't make weight. And well, UFC- if if he doesn't make weight, then he doesn't he doesn't get a chance at the belt. But they still fight in Russia. Like that's a big deal if they can get a a, a fight in Russia. I just don't think the UFC is going to take the chance with their golden goose like this. No, yeah, it's especially the end of the year. They're not going to want to go into the new year, you know, with a a flat card, having somebody pull out against Connor, um, yeah. especially you know for a title fight or or possibly you know, for, you know who knows who knows. But yeah, I don't think uh, Khabib is is his next opponent. Habib. Habib. Khabib. That's what I said. <laughs> I think McGregor's going to make some kind of announcement on September th- this weekend, I think, when he has that exclusive interview with Dan Hardy. Yeah. Who knows? Dan Hardy, is he is he trying to still fight again or no? I don't believe so. Okay, so he's done. Yep. Um, that was a call-out of uh, Mickey Gall's. It was the Dan Hardy fight. Anyway. Uh, okay, so we have – let's talk about Edmund. <laughs> yes, let's talk about Edmund Tarburdian, please. Okay. Ronda Rousey is having a lot of trouble, right? She's, she's fought a couple times, two times recently, and been devastatingly knocked out. So You think – so put yourself in. Is that your official opinion on? There goes that that thrilling personality again. Oh, it's just it just melts my heart how how good that is, Jim. Thank come you. on, come, come with that again. Do it again. It was good. Let's see. Let's see how good it can be this time. Anyway, <laughs> um, Edmund, so you're Ronda Rousey's manager. She's just gotten completely decimated by strikes on the feet twice in a row, has been an emotional wreck because of it. Her her identity is tied to, has been tied to her fighting. She has flirted with the idea of going WWE, all this stuff. It's clear that MMA might not be in the future for Ronda Rousey. So he comes out, Edmund, how do you say his last name? Tarverdian. 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 There it is again. There it is. That was good. Tarverdian. Um, Going to, uh, so he says he wants her next fight, which there might not be a next fight, but. He wants that to be against Cyborg because Cyborg is really slow and he she can't possibly keep up with Rousey. Is there anything more ridiculous than that, guys? Uh, you have um, to stop asking me to comment on things so stupid. First, it was something about Jim, and now this. It's just, I can't do this. This is unfathomable. Sorry, Jim. Sorry. Right. Sorry, not you know, sorry. You mean? I, uh, maybe uh, Hapa could take on Cyborg. 
<laughs> I think we would have the same results because neither one of those two can strike Travis or his husband, Mr. Rousey. What? Did you just call Ronda Rousey a guy? Yeah, I think you just called Ronda Rousey a dude. Hey, let's be honest. She may not be able to strike, but she's still a good-looking woman. Come on, Jim. <laughs> I completely disagree with you on that one. Oh, man. But, no, this, this statement is idiotic, and it's I highly doubt the fight will ever happen. If it did, Ronda has a good agency team behind him since her agency team owns UFC. She's a WME big client. Um, there's no way this happens. I just don't see why it would, just for the sake of a spectacle. This sounds like a Bellator main event, just going with the freak show factor. Yeah, Cyborg uh, made a comment recently when uh, when there was talk about Rousey, or you know, not Rousey fighting her, but you know coming from her camp. And Cyborg said that she'd be willing to. And, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, money fights, this would be a huge, huge event if if it ever happened. And that was uh, Cyborg saying she would take on Rousey in uh, WWE. You know, and if, uh, if Dana would let that happen, that would be a huge event. Yeah, that I mean, that's really the only way I think that that takes place. I think if you're like, if you're an athletic commission, <laughs> it might be to the point where you would be like, um, yeah, I don't think we can sanction this. Yeah. Like, it's it just doesn't make any sense. Like, it's not her facing a high level grappler like herself, it's the most dominant striker in women's MMA. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's stupid. I'm, I'm done on this one. Speaking of women's MMA, uh, we had a bout set for uh, the new flyweight division, and that was Jessica I and Paige Van Zant. Unfortunately, Paige Van Zant has been um, has had to you know drop out of that fight uh, due to some undisclosed injury. And now the UFC is looking for a replacement for, for Jessica I to fight. Now, just as a reminder, Jessica I um, was a top 125-pound fighter. I mean, she was, I think, first-ranked or second-ranked 125-pound fighter. Came to the UFC. They didn't have a 125-pound division. Fought at 135. Struggled mightily. She was um, – what not able to make the 115 division. So now with this new division, Jessica, I looks to be a um, potentially a top contender or we don't know. I mean, she's dropping down to her, her more comfortable weight. And, and so this could, this is a big deal. I think Jessica, I has a chance to be um, in the top five in this division. And uh, so we'll see what the, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to grab someone from Evicta. To, uh, to put on this card. That's, it. Uh, that's where I was going to go, that they're going to need um, to pull somebody from somewhere um, to, to have this fight happen. Um, and I think that, uh, that that's actually how they're going to start to, uh, to build uh, the 125 is pulling fighters from Invicta. Yeah. Anything on your end there, 
Andrew Dice Bailey. Oh, there he is. There he yeah. is. He just peeked out from the side. Yes, I do actually. Are you gonna Are you gonna get out from behind your mic? I'm sorry, I was getting some numbers for you. I'm about to hit you with some knowledge. Get ready. It's like it's like a crutch. You you remind me of the guy on Home Improvement that like you can't see the <laughs> yeah. bottom half of his face. <laughs> I, I peek over. Yeah, he peeks over the fence, but you never see uh, like from here to he's a. Hey. All right. So listen to this, including UFC 216. There have been nine pay-per-views this year dating back to UFC 208. Six of those have lost a fight off of the main card this year. Oh, also, I have a piece coming for Octagon 24-7 later this week talking about this and all the fights that lost fighters. But this is a trend that's happening in the UFC and one that needs to be rectified. And it's terrible for that. It sucks because that was going to be the inaugural fight for that division. And I was really looking forward to see if Paige Van Zandt could bounce back. But I agree. Jessica I is dangerous at 125. And I'm really interested to see all the matches that division can create with the dominant 135ers and the 115ers meeting in the middle there. That could set up some really good fights. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Um. Looking ahead, October 7th, we have a uh, UFC 216. That card that we're talking about, we're assuming Jessica I will have an opponent for that card, which would, um, you know, re-strengthen that card. It's a good card. I I mean, I think you were talking, uh, Andrew, earlier, not earlier on this podcast, but on a different podcast about how horrible of a card 216 was. I disagree. I know that they've added Demetrius Johnson Ray Borg since then. Yeah. However, I think there are good fights even on the fight pass, even on the fight pass portion of the card. That Walt Harris, Mark Goodbeer, Godbeer, that's a that's a quality fight. I'm a Mark Godbeer guy. I don't know how I don't know much about Walt Harris at all. Uh, Thales Leites versus Brad Tavares. That's, That's a, a good, good fight. fight. Yeah, Moraga's on the prelims. Yep. On the UFC fight pass. It's, they got decent fights. There's Lando Venata versus, Venata versus Bobby Green. Bobby Green. Venata's my boy. I, I love him. You got Will Brooks and Nick Lentz. Will Brooks, I mean, he hasn't got off to the UFC start that you would like to see. However, he's got a ton of talent. He's probably going to settle in now and find his spot in that division. I think he's 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 good. Nick Lentz is a scrappy guy that doesn't seem to go away, and and uh, is, you know that he's got a heck of a beard if he still has his beard. Uh, <laughs> I, I like the card. Derek Lewis and and uh, Fabricio Verdum is an interesting fight. Um, I think Verdum. Verdum needs to just take it to the ground. But you know Verdum, he's going to stand there and try to bang with him. So that's exciting. Uh, Ray Borg is probably going to fight Derek Lewis' uh, coaches too. <laughs> yes, he'll, 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 you know, push At least kick, kick them. them, yeah. Yes. You got Kevin Lee, Tony Ferguson headlining, which is an interim title fight. Ray Borg, to me, I, I love this card. Yeah, it's – it's okay. The addition of Mighty Mouse and Ray Borg, I like. If, if it didn't have that fight on the main card, I don't think it should have been a pay-per-view. And I still don't think from a common fan 
perspective, this is going to do more than 200,000 buys. I don't know. There's a, there's some heavy names on here that it, I don't think that you could put this card on a a fight night. It's got to be a pay-per-view. If Maybe it's not you know, the star-studded power that we're used to seeing on pay-per-views, but I think this is going to be like we saw for 206. I think this is going to be the little fight card that could. We'll see, but 206 did abysmal numbers as well. So, Well, yeah, well, but, but they – See, I'm not concerned with numbers. I'm not concerned with numbers from a from a fight fans perspective. Like they have to worry about the numbers, right? I'm concerned about is this a fight card that I'm excited about and want to see? And it is. The answer is yes. And do, am, am I okay with it being a pay per view? One hundred percent. Was I okay with it being a pay per view before Demetrius Johnson was put on it? One hundred percent. Oh, see, I I find more fighters on here I'm interested in watching than fights. I'm afraid the Verdun Derek Lewis fight's gonna be a as Jim so eloquently put it, just two fat guys laying on each other eventually. <laughs> the Mighty Mouse fight I think is gonna be a squash. Wait, wait, wait. Verdum is not fat. Uh, he's got a little bit. He done lapped over that belt. He he's not Oh, <laughs> there's a He's a hillbilly term. He's he's over he's over forty. He got time lapse disease. His yeah, belly's unlapped over his belt. I'm yeah. over forty. Sahara's like four decades over forty. Yeah, so you can imagine what that belt looks like. Wow. <laughs> that, poor, that poor belt. I'm excited for Will Brooks to fight somebody that actually makes weight. The Oliveira fight was a joke. Um, I'm really excited to watch Venata, and on, on the main card. Yes, I'm afraid that fight would be that Mighty Mouse is going to squash Borg. Ferguson Lee's interesting. That's I could see that fight going several different ways. So I don't – I'm, I'm kind of torn on that one. And the, is it Darush and Evan Dunham? Yeah. Benil Darush, that, that fight could be really good. That, uh, it's, it's funny. That fight's probably my – I think it's Darush. Darush. Well, that fight's probably my second most look forward to on the main card behind uh, – Behind Ferguson and Lee, really? Yeah, I'm, I, I, my, I said I think I don't think the two middle ones are going to hold up at all. So is it only a four fight main? No, well, I think yes. I well, it, it's scheduled now for oh, okay. Because I think the I fight will probably be up on the main. Hey, bump they're up! They're not going to have. They're not going to have a pay per view that's only four fights. Yeah, bump up Lando Veneta. There's your entertaining first fight. No, they they want that on F. They want that more people seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, not excited though. You are such a turd. Not excited. I. What was the last card you got excited for? Because I I I think it takes Conor McGregor for you to get excited. John Jones DC two. Okay, what what else before that? It's probably his uh, cow chip bingo card. It was. It was going to be 213 until Amanda Nunes couldn't make weight. Let me think. 212 was the Aldo Holloway card. Let me pull up those real quick. He's just a Debbie Downer do you, tonight. Do you like MMA or do you just like a couple guys? Have you heard of it? Yeah, I've heard. I, I love MMA. I just like a good card, and some of these aren't put together very well. Well, and, and and they haven't been helped by them falling apart. 
Oh yeah. Oh, that's a big. Um, yeah, it's just a sentence. A two oh nine. I was really excited for, and then it lost Khabib and Tony Ferguson. Habib, and we got that stinker of a main event with Woodley and Wonderboy. But no, this year overall for some main events hadn't been that good. Two thirteen. I like the room. I like. Uh, I like watching Robert Whitaker fight. That's it. You've been with us since July, and I've never heard you say like, "Oh, I'm excited for this card." It takes- Let me ask you this: Were you excited for the UFC Pittsburgh Fight Night card? I was. Ex- I was excited. I was excited for the Mike Perry fight a lot until the opponent pulled out, and I knew he was going to squash the guy. And I was excited to watch Rockhold fight, but not for the actual fight until this just the, the occasional nerves and jitters beforehand. But it ultimately felt like Rockhold was just going to beat him down. So after the fight, you you call exactly what's going to happen. No, that's why I feel like going in. I mean, every all of us thought Rockhold was gonna smash Branch. I don't think he smashed him. Well, I mean, Branch was beating him on the feet until he gassed. Well, he 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 was beating him on the feet. Let's. Just, I mean, he threw some combinations at Rockhold that Rockhold wasn't handling very well. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean. A lot to do with ring rust and all that. All it factors in. He was. He was getting the best of them. And then he ran out of gas. The yeah. fight that that white talk about UFC Pittsburgh though. Fight that was that really did impress me. That I was going into with low expectations was Gregor Gillespie, Jason Gonzalez. Yeah, that was that. That was, no, that was a I thought that fight was going to be a squash. I was completely wrong. That was awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. there were. I I thought it was a great. Um. You know, it's one of those cards that you were like, oh, there's nothing great on this card. And then the card, the, the, the fighters just pull through. And it was a, you know, I thought it was a very fun night of fights. Yeah, wasn't oh. it, the, it was the first four fights were knockouts? I know the first three. I can't remember that fourth the, one. The fourth one was, no, the fourth one wasn't. We had back-to-back decisions. <laughs> and then we went four, um, five in a row finishes to end the night. Yeah, I, I really thought it was a very enjoyable card. Yeah, Kamara Usman, uh, the Uriah Hall starching of Jocko. No, it was good. There were a lot of good ones on there. That was one that I went into a little slept on. And def- eight, eight finishes and ten fights is hard to argue. Yeah, and that, uh, that Uriah Hall fight put him back in the top ten. Top ten? Yeah. That's crazy he, to me. He's number ten now. Oh, Oh man, I'm so glad that MMA writers are the ones that do the rankings and not um, the UFC. Gone twenty four seven. Well, Uriah Hall is tenth. Oh man, we w- we would tell them we're coming out with new new rankings soon and and not actually do it though. <laughs> See, talent wise, I think he belongs in the top ten, but but you can't go just based on talent. You know, the, yeah, he's... it's not the top ten most talented fighters. It's yeah. the top ten. Like results oriented, they're putting they're putting him up to get demolished though with the guys in front of him in that division. Like he can only fight back if he wants to win. Okay, uh, there's there's something we don't get into this a lot, but I know we disagree on this, and I think it'll make for interesting uh, podcasting. Well, I don't know that we disagree on it, but I'm sus- I suspect we might. So last. The, over the course of this past weekend, 
there were many teams in the NFL that somehow, some way showed a uh, protest to the national anthem. And so I'd love to hear um, some some of your guys' thoughts on that. And, uh, yeah, so feel free to chime in with your thoughts. Well, I am not going to go on a political rant or I'm not going to go crazy or anything, but the means of protest are the ones that are most scrutinized. And I believe that every American has the right to protest in any way, in any reasonable. I mean, I don't want to protest by you know, murdering people or doing anything abhorrent like that, but I think they have the right to protest. I believe that. No, I don't, I don't disagree. I think people have the right to protest. I also think we have the right to say that just because someone has the right to do something doesn't mean it's always the right thing to do. Yes, I, yeah, I, I see that. It's, we also have the right to criticize a decision to protest the the national anthem and the flag when it's um, really has nothing to do with that. Those are two to, totally different things. And when I'm at my job, I'm being paid to do my job, not to like protest. Is their, their job, they didn't protest the game. They just protest the national anthem. They're on TV because of their job. They're using that as a platform that I don't feel that they should be doing. Do you feel like they were enabled by the president's comments? No, I feel like they were enabled by their commissioner. Well, I feel like the president calling players what he did is... It's totally irrelevant. I, I don't think it's, it's not a good, it's, you don't do that. You don't call, you don't swear at players and say that. It's just, I, I don't want to get into it. Not on the MMA podcast. I'm not getting into it. Yeah. Um, my take on this is that um, while Trump made comments, the president made comments that some would, would find inflammatory, what happened this past weekend had nothing to do with him and his comments. It's trying to point fingers somewhere other than back at the product. And that is the NFL and the NFL is they, if, you know, if they got intelligent people within that organization, they're going to find some way to stop this because it is, it's definitely going to hurt them. I think with the Steelers, you know, since uh, that's, that was my hometown team, I understand what Tomlin was trying to do, what his intent was. He, he wanted to not put the players in, um, I guess you could say in harm's way. And keep them from having to make a public statement that maybe some teammates might disagree with and it could cause some locker room division uh, publicly within the Pittsburgh community. It, it might cause some problems, and he was trying to shield them from that. So I totally understand that. However, you know, when he 
pulled the team back and said, we're not going out for this reason, it, I knew it wasn't going to sit well at all. There's just no way most fans would buy that. And they would see it, regardless of what he said, they would see it as boycotting the national anthem. Then you had the, uh, the incident where Alejandro Villanueva came out and stood outside of the tunnel for the national anthem. And, you know, he wasn't really harping on Villanueva, but he did say he was disappointed. He was hoping for 100%. Um, that might have been, you know, to some a public scolding, but there were players that said "Well, I mean, that Big Al gets a, gets a pass because of his, his service. Well, so here, here's the thing um, that bothers me the most. When, when Donald Trump said what he said, he's reacting to the perception of many that, you know, it's disrespectful to do that during the national anthem and to the flag. It's disrespectful to a lot of things and that's not the time and place to do it. So that was what he said. And okay. So could he have said it better? Absolutely. That's Donald Trump, whatever. But here's what I find to be funny. Here's Roger Goodell's um, Goodell's response to it. The NFL and our players are at our best when we, when we help create a sense of unity in our country and our culture. There is no better. Uh, actually, this is not the quote I wanted. Ah, where's the actual quote? When he says, man, I thought I pulled it. Yeah, right. I know where you're going with that, Ryan. I'll give you, you know, a minute or so to, to try and find it. But, he, you know, his, his statement is not reflective of what's actually happening in the league with teams hiding out in the, uh, the locker room until the anthem is over. You got uh, some owners who are joining hands with, um, with their players. Um, you know, there's uh, players who are taking a knee during the anthem, others who are standing. And it's, you know, publicly it's, it's putting a black eye on the NFL. Numbers-wise, ratings are down. Ratings are down big time. And I think um, over the past two years, uh, percentage-wise, I, I think they're down like 16 to 20%, something like that. Um, financially, they've lost uh, over $200 million to the NFL. You know, $200 million, um, is a lot of money. I don't know if that's how how far that goes into their pocketbooks just because it's, you know, so heavily backed financially with sponsors and, uh, you know, it's, it's an organization that's got deep, deep pocketbooks. Um, but I think this is something that happened yesterday that is going to be long-term. And I think in the next few weeks, it's really going to um, be a telltale sign for the NFL and, what is going to happen to them, and if fans are going to stay away, similar to 
hockey and baseball when there was a strike. Fans stayed away and eventually came back. Um, but I, I think this is going to hurt the NFL, and they're going to really find out over the next, uh, say, three, four weeks to see you know what they've done to their fans. Okay, here's the quote I actually wanted to pull up. This is Roger Goodell saying, Divisive comments like these demonstrate an unfortunate lack of respect for the NFL, our great game, and all of our players, and a failure to understand the overwhelming force for good our clubs and players represent in our communities. So I, I took that comment and I, I changed a word here and there to reflect a lot of the other side of this arguments which he's talking about respecting the nfl and that that the president needs to show respect for the nfl so i i changed a couple words and it would be something like this divisive actions like these demonstrate an unfortunate lack of respect for the country our great or for the flag our great country and all of our veterans and a failure to understand the over, over, uh, overwhelming force for good our first responders and police represent in our communities. That it's to me, that position to me seems like the arguable position to have far more than a lack of respect for the NFL. So to me, that's just Trump's position and a lot of the opposition's position on why they're upset because people are um kneeling and do you know the whole Kaepernick thing and with the with the national anthem and it's just being accepted is like I think that's the most disrespectful thing someone can do to our country this is my personal feelings that there are times to protest and there are times not to and if it doesn't it if you don't love our country, like if you love our country and love the opportunity, the opportunity that this country provides to so many people, this is, there's no other country like ours. Are we perfect? No, but no country is. Do we do things wrong? Yes. Like, but we have a, a democracy here. And if you don't want to be a part of that, then that's your choice. But, but you still have to love our country. And, these actions are not loving towards our country. They're, they're, they're continuing to cause they're the, that's the divisive thing. The divisive thing is being disrespectful towards your fellow Americans, towards the veterans that have given you the right to do that. Now they have the right to do that, but just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean it's right to do that. There's a difference there. And that, that's just my little rant. Sorry. All things are available. Not all things are permissible. It, it, it just, I just don't think it's the right thing to do. That's all. I, I, so um, I forget exactly what it was, Ryan. You and I were talking about something last weekend. Um, so it'll be a, a week ago yesterday. And I, I think I made mention that I wasn't watching the Steelers. This was before this even happened yesterday. Um, and I, I said, you know, it's just different things that have happened um, over the past few years have turned me off to the NFL. Um, but, you know, I was going to 
occasionally peek in and see what was going on. But, you know, with it's just, it's become a joke. And it's like they are saying, we have the right and we're going to shove it down your face. And the media is is going to take that because they want the ratings and they're going to push that um, – you're going to push that story for as long as they can. But the problem is they're going to be driving fans away and they need to look at the big picture when it comes to this stuff. You know, for them, the big picture is money. Well, and, and, and here's the thing. I, I mean, there's obvious different opinions on all of this stuff. And, and the problem that we have here in our country now is, that we're afraid to talk about it anymore because we're afraid to get attacked or to be attacked or to attack other people or like, why can't we, why have, why are we not at a point where we can have conversations anymore? I mean, it's just not the way uh, someone's not evil because they think differently than you. Someone's not um, bad because they think differently of you than you. And we should be able to talk about those things in civil ways and make progress. That's how progress is made when you have an understanding of someone else's position. Mm-hmm. You don't have to agree with it, but you have to have an understanding of it. And I think we've lost that, and we need to get that back uh, to, to come together as a country. Anyway, anything else you guys want to add? Yeah, uh, Just one thing, and that is, uh, Andrew, it, have you ever seen the movie Dodgeball? Yes. Okay, do you remember um, the team that uh, the two teams that were in the finals and they, uh, what I would call the bad guys, they had a, a female on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you recall what she looked like, then put that on one side of your PC. Um, on your monitor, your screen, and then pull up a picture of Rousey when she comes in and she's got the mouthpiece in and, and her hair is up in the uh, um, the Princess Leah buns on, on the side. And she looks just like the girl from, uh, I think her name is, is it Missy Riley or something like that? But she looks just like the girl, the dodgeball player, not the good looking one. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that none of us need to be judging other people's looks. I'm I'm Jim, pretty sure of that. Jim, you're old and senile. Good night. All right, I'm a good guys. looking guy. I, I, I know it. I'm not afraid to say it. Thank you. Yeah. I'm muting both of you. <laughs> so thank you all for joining us. It was a pleasure being here with you um, on behalf of the entire cast at octagon247.com and MMA Fancast. This is Ryan Middleton signing off saying thank you. God bless.